How many of you believe God is good? Amen. Who's experienced the goodness of God? I think we all have. One of the things that I love about Margie is that she portrays the goodness of God all the time. Such a wonderful, gracious, gentle lady that just oozes the presence and the peace and the goodness of God through her life. And so I'm excited to hear from her this morning. So relax and have some fun, Margie. Thank you. Um, I'm so nervous. I think it's much easier to be in children's church, so I'm going to close my eyes and pretend I'm in children's church. So thank you, Lord. Um, Okay, so good morning, everyone, and God bless you. (laughs) Today we're going to do a memory verse. We're going to learn about the goodness of God, but we're going to do a memory verse first, and I want you all to sit quietly and listen. Okay. It's Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understandings. (laughs) Thank you. She's a good student. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Okay, well, now all stand up and do it? No, teasing. (laughs) Um, Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm shaking. <laughs> when Tony um, ended up in hospital with his heart attack, Kay and I were talking, and I said to Kay, um, Tony really must rest and have absolute rest and not worry about freedom life. I said, we can all step up and help, even preach. And um, I said, Kay, you can preach, and I'll hold up your hands like they did with Moses. But um, So never say things... That you don't really mean. Whoops. <laughs> oh, my nerves are terrible. Thank you. Thank you. Um, they'll come back and bite you. So when Tony texted me that to say we're sharing today, I nearly died. I'm still dying. But God is so good and I need to share. Um, I've looked back on my life. Do you only stop laughing? <laughs> and I've seen the goodness of God from day one. And so this is my story. Um, from a very young age, my mom taught me about Jesus, the Good Shepherd, and God the Father. We prayed every bedtime and said grace at, at meal times. And being farmers, we relied on the rain um, at the right time and frost and fires not to destroy everything. And then we thanked the Lord for good crops. Um, church was only once a month, and it was when the Methodist minister from the circuit came to the village hall. So there was no Sunday school, but I knew that we had come to worship God. At junior school, I can remember having RE classes, and we had to learn the whole whole psalm off by heart. So the 23rd psalm, I still say these and thous and maketh. Um, And then at 12, um, I went to boarding school, and there we had assembly every day, even during the weekend. And on Sundays it was church, and then on Sunday night we'd have um, a film from the Moody Bible Institute. So um, God was always there in Jesus. And at 15 I did the confirmation classes, and we had to say the Apostles' Creed, which said, I believe in the Father, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So it was in my mind, but not really in my heart. Um, I read my Bible most days, but it was a real hard slug. And um, after leaving um, school, I went nursing, and there I went to church less and less. 
and prayed less and less, except it was exam time, so I prayed madly. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up knowing about Jesus and praying, but maybe out of habit and also fearful if I didn't pray, something bad might happen. There was HCF Society, Hospital Christian Fellowship, but it wasn't cool to join that, I thought. And so God was so good and patient with me. He never gave up with me. And I see so many times when I could have come to know him, but I just walked away. And it wasn't until Billy and I were married and we had two lovely babies that I really found Jesus. My neighbor, Lorraine, who in the end was Kay's best friend in Johannesburg, had been acting really strange. Um, she was going to ladies' group, Bible studies, and church twice on a Sunday, and I thought, she, she's really losing it. And then um, she invited me to come to the Anglican church, and I was a Methodist, so I went, and they were having a revival week. Um, the first day when I went in, and everyone was chatting in church, and I mean, this doesn't happen in the Methodist church. And everyone was happy and joyful, and then the singing was amazing. And I thought, oh, gee, I couldn't behave like this, you know. And then um, during the service, I, my heart just couldn't stop. It was beating, and I was just so agitated. And at the end of the service, the minister said, does anyone want to come and give your heart to the Lord? And... Um, I just shot up there. I didn't even realize, I don't even remember what he said, but I knew that I had found Jesus. Um, I went home full of joy and excitement, and I woke Billy up and told him about it, and he said, okay, but don't get me involved. <laughs> so um, little did he know God's promise that whole households would be saved. So, sorry, Billy, there you are. Um, <laughs> I phoned my mum thinking I'm going to convert her now. And she said, um, oh, my darling, I've been praying for you for years. So yeah, my mum was there all the time praying for me. The next morning, um, uh, doubts set in and I thought, oh, um, did it really happen? Is it true? Am I really um, saved? And um, I just had so many questions. So I said to God, I said, if it's real, please will you give me a sign? Um, that next that night, Lorraine and I were off back to the meetings, um, and it was a, an ex-Catholic um, man who was preaching. And at the after, after the service, he said um, he had another altar call, and I thought, gee, I can't go up again. I've went up yesterday, you know. So, and then he said. Um, anyone want to refill? And I thought, oh, okay. So I was up at the front again. And there was a whole crowd of us, and he just prayed over everyone. Um, and suddenly I started singing loudly in tongues. I've never heard of tongues. I didn't even know people spoke tongues or sung. So that was my answer. The sound, amazing, God is so good. From that day on, I knew that Jesus was my Savior and that he'd washed my sins away. But I still struggled to be good and to please God, and I often felt like giving up or wished I could be a nun and then I could really devote my time to, to God. But the goodness of God, I've had so many good teachers, um, friends, um, the Holy Spirit has prompted me, and I've learned about God's grace and his love, and that it can't be earned, his grace. <clears throat> and um, the Bible now just 
jumps out at me. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I've underlined and underlined it, and I'll come back to it, and I usually put the date on when it's meant something. And then I see, I've, years later, it's still there, and I just say, Amen, Amen, thank you, Lord. Um, and then I, I remember, I don't know if you remember, the Webbers came, I think they're from New South Wales, they came to preach here, and um, the lady's name was Helen, and she said she had messages, um, words from the Lord and prophesied. And she said there was um, someone called Margaret, but was known as Margie. So that was me. And um, she said um, the Lord had given her a scripture for me, so I just got to read it because this is how good God is. It was a time when I was feeling, you know, but down again. And this is from Zephaniah 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Um, oh, I couldn't believe that God would take delight in me and that he rejoices over me. How good is that? And I just say, thank you, Lord. And then Tony is always telling us that we are perfect in God's eyes. And that's also just blows me over, you know. Um, thank you, Lord. And then I've got time, so I'll tell you two more things that I thought would show the goodness of God. Um, I think of the time when our little boy was born with infantile glaucoma. Um, he was diagnosed at six months, and by then there was so much damage to his eye. Um, and Billy and our world just fell apart, and we were told that he would lose his sight and probably his eye. Um, but the goodness of God was still there. Billy and I were able to take him to Cape Town and Joburg for operations. And there we learned that it was so rare for a child to be born with infantile glaucoma and only have one eye affected. It was usually both. And um, we even saw little kids with both eyes affected. So um, Sean's one eye is absolutely perfect. He sees better than any of us, so that's great. And in spite of all his hospital visits and um, having to wear a patch on the good eye when he couldn't even see out of his bad eye. He was always this um, happy, mischievous little boy. You know, he just was amazing. And now a beautiful boy is serving the Lord with his wife and his sister. So God is good. We're so blessed. And my second um, goodness of God story is when I was 24, I had a bad fall off a, my horse and had a head injury which triggered off epilepsy, and I had to go on medication to control the seizures. And when I was about 32, my friend Lorraine again, and I was still attending meetings, hungry to learn more about God, and we were at a healing service, and um, in the middle of the service, Lorraine nudged me and said, go up for prayer, and I said, what for? You know, and she said, your epilepsy. And I thought, oh, okay. So I went forward, and I was prayed for, and I didn't feel anything. I didn't see any bright lights, but I just had absolute peace. So when I got home, I went to the cabinet and got my tablets and just flushed them down the loo because um, I'd been healed. And then um, my mum phoned me the next day and I told her about it. And she said, she was a nurse, and she said, how irresponsible can you be? You've got two small children. You drive a car. You know, don't be ridiculous. So I went back and ordered some more tablets. And then I thought, well, I'll go to the neurosurgeon. And so I went and told him that I'd been healed and I just wanted to have an EEG. So he very kindly said, okay. So I went. Um, 
it was the results were abnormal still. I still had epilepsy. So I felt really down, so I carried on taking my tablets. And then months and months later, I thought, gee, I haven't renewed my tablets, so it's still nearly a full bottle. And then I realized that God was weaning me off them slowly, and that I had been healed, and it was just the devil trying its utmost. And that was 39 years ago, and I'm still here, so <laughs> that's great. Um, so um, the devil tries to make you doubt things, but God is good. So 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. So I'm a child of God. That is awesome. And Colossians 1.22 says that through Jesus' death and sacrifice, I am holy in, in God's sight without blemish. That is the goodness of God and his grace. Thank you. <laughs> I think we've just found ourselves another preacher. <laughs> that was wonderful, Margie. Really, really wonderful. Um, you're a Methodist. <laughs> Do you know how the Methodist started? With John Wesley. Exactly. Um, I've just been reading about him. He's an, an incredible, incredible man that just preached every single day. Yeah, yeah, he and his brother, Charles. That was wonderful. Um, and Helen Weaver, you know, her husband got saved in Robin's Sunday school class. She was teaching Sunday school, a whole bunch of little kids, and he would just come along unsaved man, but he wanted to make sure his kids were being looked after. And eventually the gospel got in and he got saved and now they're leading a church in New South Wales. That's wonderful. Dione, would you come? Okay. Is that okay? So I was just laughing at Margie because that was relieving my nerves. <laughs> um, I don't know if you remember, a few weeks ago I came up and I spoke about the two thoughts that I had, firstly, was that the Hound of Heaven was still relentless in his pursuit to track people down and to pour out his goodness on them. And then I spoke about the girl who had given her money away to somebody she didn't know, some, possibly a homeless person. And then the next day she saw her again and this lady didn't recognise her. She'd given her like $500, didn't recognise her. And that God spoke to her and said, well, that's what it's like with you and me. I pour out my goodness on you and you don't recognise that all the time. And then the other thought that I had was that there were giants in the land. Um, anyway, so when Tony asked me to speak about the goodness of God, at the time I felt, I'd, you know, you get up there and you're so nervous. It's like, I've got to get all this out and everybody's looking at me and why me, God, why me? And it's like, in there, in, you know, often you forget something, but you just pray that what God wants to come out comes out. Anyway, so when Tony asked me to speak about the goodness of God, I felt there were some things that I still wanted to add to what I had spoken about. So here we go. <laughs> um, uh, so God led his people out of, out of Egypt, and he had a land prepared and ready for them to walk into. It was a land of milk and honey, a land of abundance and goodness, and a land which produced beautiful fruit that they didn't have to plant and, it was, and where the ground had been worked and cities had been built that they didn't have to build. 
Uh, all the work had already been done for them. But he knew along with all of that, there were giants in the land. He was fully aware of what waited for those people. The giants didn't take him by surprise in the land. He'd promised the Israelites a land, but this was really only a shadow of what was to come. The promised land isn't, an, isn't a land in the Middle East. It's actually Jesus. And when we enter into Jesus, we enter into his abundance, we enter into his protection, we enter into his provision, and we rest in him and all that he's done for us. And, he pro- and he's done all the work for us, and he promises many things, but he never promises to take all our troubles away. In fact, it's the one thing he says, in this life you will have trouble. Even in Jesus, as perfect and as good as he is, there's still giants in our life. Whether it's giants, storms or snakes, they're all really metaphors for the same thing. Troubles, problems, opposition, bad situations. Some are ones we bring on ourselves, some others push on to us and sometimes they're just things that happen. God is good. There's so much grace and blessing and protection and security and provision and good and wonderful things, but there's still giants in the land, in our promised land of Jesus. The goodness of God doesn't mean that things are all right all the time or that they're good all the time, but it does allow us to conquer our giants and to walk in victory. Would God still be good if he removed all the giants from our lives? Would he be good if there was no snake in the garden? even though he knew what that would mean? Or would that just make him a helicopter mum or a snowplow parent? I don't know if you know what those terms mean, but they're the new buzzwords for parents that kind of hover over their children and don't want anything bad to happen to them. Not that we want bad things to happen to our children, but they just kind of take over, and even into adulthood, they want to protect their children and just hold on to them, I think, really. God uses the pictures of family to show us how heaven's family operates and how things work well. Um, um, As a parent, I can want to remove all the obstacles, all the bullies, all the problems and the difficulties from my children's lives, but does that make me a good parent? And does that really help my children? A good parent knows that they have to let their children handle things for themselves to learn and to grow. A good parent knows when to, help, when to help and to step in and when to stand back for the child's benefit. God is always good, so he knows the right time to step back and also the right time to step in. If he raced in all the time, I think we'd, we'd just be hopeless and pathetic, really. <clears throat> and giants, although they're strong and although they're intimidating, they can be conquered, they can be brought down. When we know the goodness of God and we focus on that, that conquers the giants. Not focusing on the giants, but instead on Jesus, they lose their strength and power and we see them overcome. And when we actually see how weak they are compared to how strong our God is. It's hard not to focus on the giants at times. They can be so big. I've had some giants this year that it's been easy to focus on. Um, But when I focus on them, I know I become anxious and moody and on edge and I snap and I take it out on my family and I lose my peace. But when I look to Jesus, knowing that he's good, I become calmer and more confident in what appears to be an impossible situation. 
The goodness of God brings peace in the face of a storm when a snake is ready to strike or when you stand in the shadow of a giant. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. When you face a giant, God brings the situation out to the best possible solution and to our advantage. It's not always how we think it will turn out or how we want it to turn out. But when we focus on God rather than the giant, the devil flees. And our looking to Jesus actually leads us to a strengthening of our faith and our trust and our relationship with God. And it's actually a win-win situation. God cultivates things even in dark times when we look to him and not our circumstances. Things that actually benefit us and he brings us out to an even better place. The goodness of God is Jesus. God was always good, but all his goodness was revealed to us in Jesus. Jesus came to reveal the Father. He came to show people what God was really like, not what they thought he was like. He was good. He is good, and he is good all the time. The goodness of God went to work to reconcile us to him when we couldn't do anything to reconcile ourselves to him. The goodness of God set a plan in place before the foundation of the world to get us back and to restore all things. There was a snake in the garden, but God had a plan to overcome that snake from the very start. Jesus was the promised one to come and crush the snake's head. The goodness of God doesn't treat me as I deserve. He doesn't treat me one way by telling me to behave another way. The goodness of God sets me an example of how to live. He doesn't set me up to fall or set me up to, for impossible tasks. And even if I do fail, he picks me up, tells me it's okay and helps me on my way again. The goodness of God treats me well even when I don't treat him well. He loves me even when I don't love others or treat people as he has shown me to do. The goodness of God heals us. I've got the wobbles too. The goodness of God heals us and leads us and restores us when we face our giants. It leads me beside gentle streams and makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me out into wide open spaces. He wants the best for me. He never leaves me when I find myself in the valley of the shadow of death and he doesn't leave me to wander aimlessly. Instead, his spirit lives in me to lead me and guide me and show me Jesus, all the while transforming me into the image of Jesus. The goodness of God shows us how to live and how to, how to live well and to walk well. The goodness of God treats me as Jesus and all his promises are mine. He is so good to me in both the big and the small things. He gives me the strength I need to do what I need to do. And when I thought I couldn't do it anymore, he renews me and I actually come out of it for the better. He's faithful and he always restores. Um, I just I had this thought this morning that you know, even when we're going through bad times and the giants, God is always talking to us. Just like he's always wanting to pour out our goodness, his goodness on us and you don't always see that. He always is wanting to talk to us and we just don't always hear. We know it's not always a loud voice or any voice. Sometimes it's a prompting. Sometimes it's a word from somebody else. God speaks to us in so many, many different ways. Don't, don't think that it's always a voice. Um, anyway, I just wanted to share a couple of things, where things I've gone through where God has spoken to me. Um, 
because you know, I've, I have two verses that I generally fall back on. Um, one of them is a bit similar to what Margie's was. Oh, it's, it's Isaiah 26.7. The path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, make the way of the righteous smooth. So if I have a bad thing, I know, even if it's computer won't work, I lose my keys, up to you know, problems with people, whatever, I say to God, please, Lord, can you smooth this out for me? Anyway, I've had the giants this year, and I've prayed that, and I've prayed it, and nothing was happening. But God is so good, and he's so funny, actually, because where I walk along our path, the tree roots have gone under the path. And I'll be praying this as I walk along, Lord, can you please help smooth this out for me? You know, you're so good, blah, blah, blah. blah. And um, there's a tree roots along the way. And they've actually put up signs saying, trip hazard. And they've painted where all these roots are in this bright pink paint. I felt God say to me, you know, don't trip over these things. Don't let them distract you, but focus on me. So even though this stuff is all happening, focus on me. And I'll still be praying this, please, Lord, smooth this out, smooth this out, smooth this out. And nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. It's not smoothed out. It's not happening. It's still happening. But God's still talking to me because, again, a few weeks later, They've taken a whole section of the path and they've smoothed it out. So every time God does something like that, it's like him saying to me, look, I haven't forgotten about your situation. Stay focused on me. Don't trip up on these things. Look at what I'm already doing and keep focused on me. Now, my giant isn't quite smoothed out, but it's two-thirds of the way there and I'm trusting God is going to sort the rest of the problem out and it's going to be fine. And the other thing that I always rely on is this verse. It's from Song of Songs. It says, See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. And so often in my darkest time, darkest times, Somehow that verse will appear. I don't go looking for it, but it appears. It might be in a song. It might be something somebody says. It might be as soon as I hear those words, my ears prick up, and I think, this time's nearly over. This time's nearly over. So even in dark times, God is still talking to us and still good and still helping us through even these things that appear so big. So um, when a winter is... When there's, when there's a winter, there's always a spring to come. He's protected me and helped me and healed me so many times. He's provided and made a way and brought me through so many winters to enjoy so many beautiful springs. Um, the hound of heaven is still relentless in his pursuit to chase people down and to pour out his goodness on them. Thanks, Diona. You've pinched most of my preach, but never mind. <laughs> It's good that we're just among friends, isn't it? Um, goodness, as defined in the dictionary, is excellence of character. And I was thinking about God's character and his excellent character. And I think the best way for that to be described is his own definition of who he is. When Moses was feeling insecure and Moses had an enormous task to deliver the people 
from Egypt and the power of Pharaoh. Moses was understandably very insecure. He was wanting reassurance and he was wanting to see God, to know him and to know that his presence was with him at all times. And he asked God to show him his glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. And I just thought that's such a definition of excellence of character, and so true of our wonderful God. When Solomon's temple was dedicated, he also sought after God, and God came in his presence was so overpowering that no one could stand. That is how overwhelming the goodness of God is. We really don't have the capacity to experience and understand the fullness of God's glory. And there are many times in life when you are expecting discipline of God or an angry voice. And he comes and he bowls you over just by showing you how much he loves you. Just by showing you how good and faithful and kind and merciful and ever-present he is. And you know, at the dedication of that temple they had brought all the sacrifice and the fire of God came down from heaven and burnt up that sacrifice and that showed that that was an acceptable sacrifice because God's fire received it and it meant that the sacrifice was perfect and you know we have a perfect sacrifice in Jesus He's been our perfect sacrifice. And so we can know that he is prepared to come and indwell his temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is us, his people. And he longs to do that. And I just thought Paul described God's goodness so beautifully in Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 10. It says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Isn't that incredible? He doesn't wait for us to scrub up. He doesn't wait for us to earn it. He doesn't wait for us to deserve it or um, make a sacrifice of our own of any sort. He comes to us when we're hopeless, dead. There's nothing we can do. And he made us alive together with Christ. That is such good news, folk. 
We are alive in Christ, dead to sin, but alive to Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Just so much good news, isn't it? That's the good news, folk. Um, Excuse me, I'm starting to leak. (laughs) Um, And that's such an example of the goodness of God that it is a gift, a free gift of God, of himself to us, that he should come and indwell us and leave the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of what's to come. So as Dione said, not things, things aren't always easy and we have giants. But if we have an understanding of what he's done for us in Jesus Christ, we can have no doubt of his love and we can have no doubt of his goodness towards us. According to scripture, he's a good God with good gifts. He has good purposes to bless us, to give us a hope, and a future, and to complete the good work that he began in us, conforming us to the likeness of Christ. That's incredible hope, isn't it? It's not about you trying to get there. It's all about a work he's begun, a work he's committed to, a work he's carrying on even when you don't realize it. So sometimes our growth is so incremental, we can barely perceive it, and we doubt it. Often we doubt it. I do. I don't know about you. Sometimes I think I'm going backwards rather than forwards. But he's committed to us. And he's prepared good works in advance for us. And his will for us, according to the word, is good, pleasing, and perfect. So if you've ever wondered what God wants for you, it's good. It's pleasing and it's perfect. He's got something unique for you that he has custom made for you. His invitation is to taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to not only have head knowledge, he wants you to have experiential knowledge. He wants you to know his presence and his power day by day because he's there pouring out his goodness and grace to us each and every day, moment by moment. And as Dione said, there's just so many ways in which he speaks to us. There's so many opportunities for us to just be affirmed in God. We need affirming, don't we? We need constant reassurance. And I felt like that's what God was saying this morning. Assure them of my love. Assure them of my goodness towards them. And that's what God wants to do. But he doesn't want to do it through other people. He wants you personally to get it from his word, to get it from a personal relationship with him.
So don't always depend on other people. Don't think you have to come to church on Sunday to get another booster dose to sort of help you get through the week. Go to him every day in every way. Just release your life to him and you'll see more and more his faithfulness in your life. Um, It was Moses who was wanting the um, experience of God and God said he would hide him in the cleft of the rock because he could only see the back. He couldn't face the overpowering power of experiencing the goodness and glory of God in one go. So God put him in a cleft of the rock. And that's just a shadow of us in the wounds of Jesus. That's where we are. He's the rock. The rock of ages, the rock on which we stand. The rock that is higher than us. And oftentimes, like that, God passed by and then Moses was able to see his glory, just like the afterglow of his glory. And it's so often in the facing of giants, it's in the situations where things don't go the way you want them to. It's often only um, in retrospect that we see things from God's point of view, and we can see he was there all the time. He was there comforting you, loving you, supporting you, sustaining you. You think times are so tough, where's God? What's going on? I don't know what's going on. He can't be hearing my my prayers. But I assure you, If you will stay faithful, you will believe. There is no doubt you will have the confirmation in due time that he's with you, he loves you, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, and he is good, and his purposes are good. And the amazing thing about God is it's just like that um, song we were singing about God coming up from the ashes, you know, after there's been a devastating uh, um, bushfire. Everything's black, everything's miserable, but then suddenly little green shoots start to grow. And where a forest once was, the growth comes back and takes over. And it's like that in our lives. Sometimes we just feel totally burnt out, that it's the, the fire's gone through, a volcano's gone through, But God is faithful. He will make sure, because that is fertile soil, you know, after a fire or after a volcano. That's the most fertile situation. And seeds come to life that have been dormant for so long. And uh, you might not even realize what God is doing in a situation. But his promise to you is that he will bring victory because he's already won the war. We're just fighting the battles. He's already run the war. Um, and I was just thinking about this. He does want to overwhelm us with his goodness. And it is mind-blowing. 
And I was just thinking of that old Cadbury's chocolate ad. I don't know if you remember it and recall it, where there was like a domino effect of all these chocolate bars. And somebody set it off and one knocked over and then you see this thing go round and round and round and round and then out in all directions. Um, the chocolate bars and people coming in and taking them and, and enjoying them. And I just felt that's what God wants to do. He wants to flood us with the knowledge of his goodness and grace. And then he wants us to impact the people around us in such a way that they are flooded with his goodness and grace. And they in turn go on to flood their sphere of influence. And so it just reaches out through all the world until the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Amen. Amen. God be glorified. That's fine, Kate. Thank you. Um, someone once said, "If you uh, you'll never really appreciate the view from the mountaintops unless you've walked through a valley." And I love what David writes, Psalm twenty-three. Even though sometimes we walk through what feels like the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. That's saying that I'm not going to fear what 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 the circumstances look like coming upon me. Now, David had to do that as a young boy when he faced Goliath. Just as a young boy, facing this thing that was out to destroy not just David, but all of Israel. And sometimes we go through life and we face giants, we face challenges, we face difficult things, whether that be a physical thing, whether that's emotional thing, relational, financial, whatever it is, there are many times where we face challenges that look like they're going to destroy us. How many of you know that everything about the gospel is about Jesus? The gospel is Christocentric which means Jesus is at the centre of everything. So even when you read Old Testament stories, Jesus is at the centre. How many have ever heard, okay, we've got a giant, we've got a face, and I've got to be like David? Is it? I'm going to be the David. And so we, we try and muster up as much strength as we can We try and find our little stones of faith and we try and fling them at the giant to destroy that giant ourselves. But if you put Jesus at the centre of the story, see the real heart of that story of David and Goliath, it's not about David. It's Jesus. And I think where we get ourselves in trouble sometimes is that we try and be the David when actually we need to see it as Jesus. Because if you read through that story of David and Goliath, it said the Spirit of the Lord was upon him. Who defeated Goliath? Was it David or was it the Spirit of the Lord? Jesus is at the centre of everything, in every story. And if we can just see that, 
it would take a lot of the striving out of us trying to be the one who's going to defeat this thing. And we allow the Spirit of the Lord to come. And it's the Spirit of the Lord that's going to defeat that giant. The wonderful thing is this, is that God does everything with us in partnership. So you're not devoid, you're not, you're not you know, completely separate from the whole process. You're part of it. He's partnering with you, his spirit upon you. But it's not your strength that gets you through. It's the strength of Jesus. He is the one who fights for us. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Wonderful, wonderful. God is so good. Um, just a, another praise report. Um, uh, we've mentioned this a couple of times with the, when we were in the Philippines. Robin gave her testimony about uh, the miracle babies that we've had because she couldn't have kids at all. It was physically impossible. And so wherever we go, as, as often as we can, we will pray for couples who are struggling to fall pregnant. And so we now we've just heard again this week um, another couple is pregnant, nine weeks pregnant or ten weeks pregnant or something. So that's four out of that time that we were there in April. Four couples that are now pregnant that couldn't have kids before. That's, that's, one, that's the goodness of God, folks. That is the goodness of God. That's, that's miracle stuff. Amen? It's wonderful. All right, have some coffee and tea with us and uh, have a, if you can have lunch with us over at the food court, that's great. Bless you. Have a great week.